About a year ago, I gave New Japan Professional Wrestling a warning. I asked them, no, I told them that Kota Ibushi needed to be the new IWGP champion before the end of the year. Unfortunately, New Japan Pro Wrestling did not listen to me. And as a result, I had to shut down New Japan for several months. Many people said that I couldn't get it done. Well, <laughs> who's the dumbass now? All right, because New Japan's been gone, if you haven't noticed, for several months. And I wasn't going to bring them back. But the man, Michael Jargo, has personally asked me to let New Japan Professional Wrestling continue. That way, Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, can take off. And since Michael Jargo is that dude, that's the way it will be. So I have officially lifted the ban on New Japan Professional Wrestling, and they may resume competition, but I reserve the right to shut them down again if they don't do as I say. It's Billy Ray Valentine. Enjoy the show. Today's premiere episode of Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, is brought to you by the HTM Podcast Network. Still online, hittingthemarks.com. We'll decide what we're going to do with HTM at the end of August, if we're going to keep it online, continue to grow it, or if I'm going to start something completely different. We're also brought to you by the Hameen Media Group, hackerhameen.podbean.com. That's probably where most of you are listening to this debut episode. If not, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Hameen Media is sponsored by Vince Russo's The Brand, as well as The Brosters, the official coffee of Vince Russo. Probably want to grab yourself some of that as we get ready for the return of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, you got to stay up late for all these shows that we're going to talk about later on today. I believe the start time for all these shows is 7 p.m. Japan time. That's 6 a.m. on the East Coast, 2 a.m. on the West. So either way, you're going to need some coffee, either to stay awake or just to get your day going. We're also brought to you by Stevie Richards Fitness and, of course, ProWrestlingTees.com, the only place to get the best merch from all of your favorite independent wrestlers as well as a lot of the New Japan talent. On today's show, I'm joined by my favorite Huckleberry, Richard Bronson Vickery. It's so weird to call him that. We're talking about the long-awaited return of New Japan, the New Japan Cup, the Together Project, and even a little bit of Dominion. It's been a long time coming, so let's go ahead and get into it. But first, my newfound friends from Down Under, this is Knife Party. You blocked me on Facebook, and now you're going to die. time coming but finally here we are the first episode of destino a new japan pro wrestling podcast this is of course uh my brainchild 
I uh, came up with the idea to do this shortly after I, I left the Monday locker room at Hacker Hameen. And uh, I, I just wanted to do something that didn't piss me off. You know, I, I, I got tired of watching the WWE and the red and the blue and hell, even now the yellow NXT. It feels like it's just got that main roster stink all over it. So I just wanted to I wanted to focus on New Japan because that's really what I enjoy watching. That's what I feel like I'm actually good at. And over the course of these months, I've also kind of fallen in love with stardom, World Wonder Ring stardom. So I'm going to be covering that for you as well once stardom returns. I uh, I was expecting that we would get that announcement either yesterday, maybe sometime today uh, with new Japan announcing that they're going to be returning on June 15th. I don't expect that stardom will be too awful far away. So hopefully we'll, we'll get that up and running here in the immediate future as well. But before we uh, get to RBV, we had uh, a couple of announcements that we wanted to talk about. Chairman Naoki Sugabayashi uh, had a press conference the other day, thanking fans for their patience during this time. Uh, and just kind of laying out what's going to happen, how New Japan Pro Wrestling is going to return. Also saw an appearance from the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. New Japan getting ready for their first event in 110 days. It's been 110 days. They canceled 56 events during the coronavirus pandemic. And I just I want to take this time to give a shout out to New Japan Pro Wrestling, whether it be President Harold, whether it be Chairman Sugabayashi, and just the way that New Japan has handled this, pulling all of the shows off the road, getting rid of all the fans, and just taking basically a three-month hiatus from the professional wrestling world while the entire world deals with this coronavirus. We saw a couple of weeks ago, President Harold came out and he laid out all of the steps that are going to be required in order for New Japan Pro Wrestling to return. Of course, the first one being the state of emergency being lifted in Japan. That was done last week, I believe it was. Um, it's currently June 10th as I sit down to record this and Rick and I sat down to talk about New Japan Cup. It's been incredible watching the difference in how Japan has handled the pandemic, how the United States has handled the pandemic. But I don't want to get too political on this podcast because, like I said, I'm trying to avoid things that just piss me off. Well, with the exception of Toru Yano. Uh, so, Chairman Shugabayashi, President Harold, thank you for, for the way that you have handled this. And even... Since the press conference, New Japan released a six-page PDF uh, in English and Japanese for how shows are going to return, the steps that New Japan Pro Wrestling is taking when it comes to the talent, when it comes to the staff, when it comes to fans. Uh, they're, all the wrestlers, all the staff receiving antibody testing for COVID, and New Japan is working with the sports authority in Japan to get the venues prepared for New Japan's triumphant return. Uh, Monday, June 15th, is the day that everything is going to get back up and running. It's going to be a Together Project special. New Japan's been running the Together Project on New Japan World ever since the pandemic started, whether it be sit-down interviews, whether it be Yano's birthday celebration, uh, interviews with Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, basically laying out his autobiography, finally being translated into English for us. It's, it's been absolutely incredible the way that they have tried to keep fans engaged with New Japan without any shows going on. Uh, Monday, June 15th, the Together Project special is basically going to be 
a new kickoff for a whole new season of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Typically, the day after Wrestle Kingdom, we have New Year's Dash. Nobody knows what the card is. It's going to be a mystery card at New Year's Dash, and they're handling the Together project very much the same way. All the matches will be announced in the ring at the beginning of the show without any spectators. Rick and I talk a little bit about the difference in how New Japan Pro Wrestling's presentation is going to be versus what we have seen out of Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, NXT, AEW. I One of the things when AEW started that everybody was so excited about was them saying, this is going to be a more sports-like presentation. And it turns out that it's been much more of the same old BS. It's that typical sports entertainment crap with a little bit of sports-like presentation. We're very excited to see how New Japan is going to handle the empty arena shows because New Japan, more than any other pro wrestling company, has that sports-like presentation. Um, Even when the fans are in attendance, whether it be, you know, just watching the matches and then you have the the post-game press conferences with all of the wrestlers, I'm very excited to see how New Japan handles things. I expect it's going to be incredibly well, just like they've handled the entire pandemic. New Japan Cup then kicks off on Tuesday, June 16th, and that runs through Saturday, July 11th. The finals are going to be in Osaka Joe Hall, and that is the first time that we are going to see fans back inside of the arenas. Maybe WWE and AEW kind of beats them to the punch, knowing now that New Japan is going to have a third capacity inside of Osaka Joe Hall. But it's going to be, uh, it, its I can't wait. I can't wait to have fans actually back. I don't care if it's a third of an arena. I don't care if it's half of the arena, the full arena. It, it will be very nice to actually hear people reacting to the professional wrestling. Dominion then goes down the next night, July 12th, once again inside of Osaka Joe Hall. It's going to be once again a third capacity, and the winner of New Japan Cup will face off with IWGP World Heavyweight Champion and IWGP Intercontinental Champion Tetsuya Naito for both belts. All the events are going to be broadcast live on New Japan World. Uh, can't wait. If, if you haven't signed up for New Japan World yet, 999 yen. I believe it comes up to roughly $8.72 a month, very much like the WWE Network. And the amount of content on there is just incredible, including an entire backlog. If you want to go back and watch Antonio Inoki matches, you want to go back and watch Hulk Hogan when he actually could wrestle. Yeah, because he actually wrestled in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um It's a great deal. If you have any questions about New Japan World, how to sign up for New Japan World, feel free to get at me on social media, at NotJargo. Send me an email, at DestinoPod, and we'll get you all set up so that you're ready to go for the New Japan Cup. Unfortunately, with good news also comes bad news. Not necessarily for us here in the West, but in the Far East. The Hokiato Tour has been canceled. Uh, Originally... The Olympics were supposed to be going on this summer inside of Tokyo. And so they pushed back the G1 till September. And they booked the Hoki Auto Tour during the time in which the the G1 would typically be running. I'm sure that the fans in Hoki Auto are super bummed. But I'm also sure that New Japan will find a way to make things right. As I mentioned, Hiroshi Tanahashi made some comments inside of the press conference that was done by Chairman Shugabayashi. Uh, Here is Tanahashi's comments translated to English. 
The cancellation of events hurts fans and wrestlers alike. I became concerned that our return would take longer than we could imagine. That's why I'm thrilled that we are able to return on June 15th. You can count on us pro wrestlers to give you everything that we couldn't these past few months. We're going to create and deliver a fresh New Japan Pro Wrestling to everyone. Let's get ready to have some fun. And that's exactly what we're going to do here at Destino. That's exactly what's going to happen when New Japan returns next Monday. Absolutely cannot wait. Uh, Wanted to talk a little bit about the ace. Uh, it, it was probably a month, month and a half ago that we saw seven different professional wrestling companies inside of Japan all come together, go and meet with the Japanese government to see exactly what it was going to take for professional wrestling to return to Japan. And of course, the head man, the representative of all of this was Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, typically, I would not think that Tana is going to win the New Japan Cup. But with the way that everything has been set up throughout this entire coronavirus pandemic, I feel like it could be the ace's time once again. Rick and I are going to talk quite a bit about Hiroshi Tanahashi on the second segment of the show here today. Um, Hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, This is the first run. First episode of Destino. Feel free. Get at me. All social media, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, uh, we, we have a page for Destino. We also have a discussion group on Facebook. Um, go ahead, get at me. Let me know what you think of the show, what improvements you would like to see, what you would like to see changed. And uh, this is as much your show as it is mine. So let's go ahead. We're going to throw it over to uh, a word from our friends at the Brosters to tell you all about Vince Russo's coffee. And uh, then we're going to start something new that we haven't done in a very long time. I used to do it once upon a time on the HTM podcast network on the flagship, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast. And uh, we're going to reintroduce the Midwest Music Mafia. These are uh, a collection of bands that I have had the the, the honor to perform alongside that are all independent talent over the course of the years, just from basically Des Moines, Iowa, all the way to Peoria, Illinois. Back in the day, we, we had this whole group where, you know, if you wanted to play in Des Moines, you'd get a hold of these guys. If those guys wanted to play in Peoria, they got a hold of these guys all the way down to Knoxville, Tennessee, up into Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we're going to introduce you to a whole bunch of new music that you may have never heard before. I will try real hard to let you know who it is and what the album is off of. Uh, this first one, we're going to start off with is a band called Index Case from Des Moines, Iowa. This is their song, Deserver. And we'll be right back on the other side with the real RBV. Stick around. Bro, if you're a real coffee lover, then you've got to try Broaster's Limited Edition Vince Russo Bro Coffee. Available right now at www.thebroasters.com. This limited edition coffee is fresh roasted weekly and shipped directly to your door. You will love the Nicaraguan blend with roasted chocolatey notes when you smell it. Get your Vince Russo Bro Coffee today at thebroasters.com and follow them at Coffee Broasters today on Twitter. Enjoy the best coffee today, bro. From Broasters. Vince Russo brand and Hameen Media Group.
off their 2005 self-titled album, Index Case. That was Deserver by Index Case. Nice, happy band representing the Midwest Music Mafia from here in Des Moines, Iowa. So we're, we're back to discuss the New Japan Cup, the first round. And, you know, I, I couldn't do this by myself. I had to bring in my security blade, my favorite Huckleberry, the real RBV. Rick, welcome to Destino, man. I'm happy that you agreed to do this. It's me, it's me. It's that auto of a B to the V. Richard Bronson victory back again. Riding shotgun with the one and only Michael Jargo. Hey, what a momentous occasion. The debut episode of Destino, the New Japan podcast. And, you know, I just, you know what? The hell with it. You know, screw Wrestle Kingdom. Screw the G1. What better way to kick this thing off than the New Japan Cup? Right. I thought so, too. Well, I it, it, not necessarily, because they are doing the, the Together Project before New Japan Cup, but I, I almost feel like that's going to be like New Year's Dash, where they're just going to announce all the matches in the ring at the start of the show. I don't expect anything major to happen, but they do have to set up Dominion still. You, you know, that's that's kind of like the, the what is it, the, the 12 warm-up games that we're going to get from the NBA before we get into this postseason, and that's what we're really here. You know, we're, we're here for the sizzle. We want the steak. You know, Sure, it's a nice salad to you know kind of get the appetite going there. But this is what we're here for. New Japan Wrestling is back. Thank you, Billy Ray Valentine. Thank you for finally giving the good people of Japan permission to to open those gates back up to start putting the ropes back together. It, it, I can't remember. You know, it's been so long since I've been excited for something inside of professional wrestling. I know, man. It was like it's such a huge adrenaline rush watching the Sugabayashi press conference. We talked about that earlier. Uh, it just it was stupid. I'm watching a press conference and I'm like, I'm just pumped. I was so pumped. Part of it because I get to finally do this show. I think I've written this premiere show of Destino like three or four times. And it was like, what's the point of putting out an episode when I don't know when they're going to come back? So we are here. We're going to talk about the first round in the New Japan Cup. At the end of this thing, I'm going to try to get RBV's final four and who he thinks is actually going to win this thing. Uh, but first, we had to talk about a couple of names that are not in the New Japan Cup uh, because I, I've gotten a lot of Just questions. A well, Just a couple? <laughs> well, I've gotten some questions about this, like where's Kenta at? Where's Switchblade at? Juice Robinson, where are you at? Tomatonga, where are you at? They're, they're just not in the country yet. I think the one that really hurts is Will Ospreay, because I thought Ospreay was going to be a, a dark horse to actually win New Japan Cup this year. Now, I'm wondering, do you think there's any chance that they push Will inside of the G1? Like, maybe Will becomes at least a finalist in the G1? I think you know this is a very unique circumstance, especially with inside New Japan and what it's going to mean to that, that home fan base. You know, that rallies heavily behind their own and really this is in a sense uh you know the new japan cup 2020 it is the the homelanders taking back their turf yeah very much so and you know that's because of circumstances that you know are happening around the world and that's what makes this thing so unique is that they can gauge the the success from going with the the asian border well i mean really outside of this what he really just have zach saber jr who it's who kind of forced all this there, there, there's said, only hey, two I, gaijin in the tournament this year yeah okay which one am i missing here i got it uh, one of the young lions okay 
Uh, so that's maybe where it misheard. All right, so there was big names. There was outside names. So the guy, you got Zach Sabre Jr., who, you know, kind of a compliment to him. He saw, foresaw this and said, you know what? I want to make sure that I'm able to be here when we get going again. So he didn't risk any, any kind of travel. He made sure that he stayed set there. He was ready to go whenever they needed him, uh, which I think in a sense, it really puts a spotlight on him. And I know we're going to kind of get into these interesting matchup, and he's really going to play a huge part in what early on the watch inside of these brackets and how they unfold here. Uh, but back to what we were talking about there and what this represents and how New Japan can gauge this. And not just from that, that how it's perceived from around the world, because that was kind of the emphasis that was put on westward expansion was, you know, building up familiar looking faces relatable individuals for, you know, those through Europe and through North America, wherever the case might be. How are we going to respond that we don't have those faces here? You know, it's, is it going to be an initial, we're happy to have new Japan back, see what's going on and then fade away as, you know, some names that we might not be familiar as there's so many juniors that are involved in this thing here. Uh, so the success of this, I feel is going to be very telling of how we see the future going forward for new Japan. I'm also very excited to see the presentation. Um, at least for me, the WWE no crowd shows have not worked at all. The AEW no crowd shows, kind of. I, it's been very, very hit and miss for me. But I think that New Japan is going to do a much better job with it just because of the way that the sports-like presentation is presented. You're not going to have anybody out there standing there with a microphone for 10 minutes trying to address fans that simply aren't there. I think what's probably more uh, a, a fairer comparison, and they have done a, a relatively good job with this, is how UFC has presented themselves. I think that's a better comparison to what you, the presentation you get with New Japan than it is a you know a sports entertainment based, where they heavily rely on those fans. Obviously, it's going to be different. It's going to be a completely different atmosphere. But you get inside New Japan where it, they're not the stories aren't driven. Uh, or the, I guess the, the drama, I don't even hate to, I hate to say it that way because there's so much drama in their storytelling. It's not so much in verbal exchanges as it is the physicality, which you can actually portray here inside the ring without the fans. And then, you know, and then you use your press conferences as they usually do, which is going to make those all that more exciting to see what's going on. In addition to Will Ospreay not being in the tournament, I think the other big name that really stood out to me was Kenta. Uh, for one reason or another, which I don't entirely understand, Kenta is in the United States and can't get into New Japan, um, I, which I thought was weird. And the only reason I know that is because I tracked down a gym that he was at and I found out that those gyms are only open in the States, Canada and like Puerto Rico or something. So evidently, Kenta has not moved full time back to Japan yet uh, before the entire coronavirus situation had started. It looked like Kenta was coming for Tetsuya Naito and both of those championships. Rick, now I'm not sure when Kenta is going to get his title shot. I think it is pretty interesting you mentioned that there. You need to look into this. You can put your uh, your beat reporters on this thing. I mean, was he trying to go for some, you know, a, a dual citizenship? Does he have different business ventures going on here? It is kind of strange, you know, that he that he wouldn't have made the move back or, or maybe just the way everything got caught up. And he said, Hey, you know, I'll sit tight right now because of the, 
you know, the dangers with travel and all that. Well, and I wonder if it's a bullet club thing because they were coming over for the, the beach party right before WrestleMania. So switchblade is also stuck in the States. He's not even an American, you know, so he's not in New Zealand. He's not in Japan. He's got to feel like a freaking fish out of water over here. That's what it's got to be. Then it just happened to so be that the travel bans came into place and they're just waiting for some kind of. No, you broke up there on me. Uh, so just hopefully just wait for some kind of green light. I think that the storms that are hitting you right now, as I look out the window, Jargo, they are, uh, they have moved into Southern Ohio. Oh, fantastic. That's just great news. Tropical depression, crystal ball, you know, for, for weeks, I thought it was actually crystal ball. And then I found out that it was actually crystal ball. Like from family guy. Yeah. Yeah, weird, right? Let's talk about the names that are going to be inside of the New Japan Cup. Uh, what I did is I actually went down and I broke the bracket into four different parts. Uh, so I, I'm, we're going to refer to the A block, B block, C block, and D block, even though it's actually just a single elimination tournament. It's not the G1. Uh, so I, let's go ahead. Let's start with the A block. Well, it's, it's sort of confusing. We're doing like It's like regions, like the NCAA tournament. Yeah, very much so, right? Uh, so, so let's talk about this A region. How about that? Uh, starting things off, we have Togi Makabe taking on Yota Suji. Makabe making his 13th entry into the New Japan Cup. Suji, of course, this will be his first. And this is kind of a theme that's running through New Japan Cup this year. This will be the first time that these two guys have squared off in a singles match. I believe it's 11 of the first round matchups, our first time matchups in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which just seems crazy to me. You know, it's crazy what happens when you don't overexpose your talent, right? Uh, Rick, is there any snowball's chance in hell that Yota Suji somehow gets past Togi Makabe? And the answer is no. Well, you know, I'm. Going back, we're talking about the the structuring and how they put this bracket together here. And I, I thought, you know, when you had pointed that out over in uh, the Destino chat group over on Facebook, you know, that, you know, 11 of these matches, we have never seen, you know, just one-on-one, toe-to-toe. Uh, you got to attribute a lot to that, though, though, is the balance here between your heavies and your juniors as well. Yeah, Which absolutely. is going to bring these, is going to bring these unique styles, which also plays into, you know, the just without the crowds there and the presentation, how they're going to present this thing, it's going to be the contrast in in-ring work and, and to see how these two mesh. Now, that's something that we are familiar with in the West as, you know, we don't have that hard line drawn in the sand there between these divisions. Now, how is this going to be received by that traditional New Japan audience? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Makabe, one of the larger stars in New Japan Pro Wrestling, at least when it comes to mainstream. He does a lot of acting roles and whatnot. Yota Suji, basically Tanahashi's personal young lion, um, but there's no chance. Makabe's just going to destroy this poor kid. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you might get you know some fun spots in here, uh, some opportunities where maybe you're holding on for a, that moment of disbelief. Uh, and to make as I was, and there's a reason I made that kind of comparison before this to the NCAA tournament and really just the single elimination style as opposed to the traditional blocks that we see. To me, that's that exciting aspect. So this, you know, and we're going to see this across the board a few times here, but this is going to be one of those where you, you think that Cinderella, that underdog might have a chance till like halftime. And then the powerhouse comes out and just dominates there in that second half. Do you have a preference when it comes to the way New Japan does their tournaments, whether it be the single elimination like New Japan Cup or 
like the Super J Cup versus the G1 or Best of Super Juniors? Uh, I, I like I like the the different styles. I like how they balance them through. There's different presentation. As you are reaching to the West, this is obviously much more familiar. I mean, just look, when WWE was just recently trying to do it with the cruiserweight thing, it just seemed like they were even confusing people in their own company with the block, let alone their fan base. And, you know, it's it's been so long since you and I have sat down and actually talked about professional wrestling, but that was one of the conversations that we had was, okay, did they really understand this? But, yeah, I like having the variety in there. Yeah, the, the, the four-person round-robin tournament. I, just, I, I popped for that. It's like you're going to do a round-robin with, like, four people? Really? Okay. I liked what I, I liked what they were trying there, but it was again one of those moments where uh, right direction just missing the mark. Yeah, shout out to Drake Maverick who would stand almost as good of a chance in this tournament as uh, Yota Suji. Uh, let, let's move on to our second matchup. Tomohiro Ishii takes on El Desperado. Ishii's 12th entry into the New Japan Cup, his fifth consecutive. El Desperado, one of those juniors that you were talking about, making his New Japan Cup debut. It will also be the first time that these two guys have squared off. Rick, Ishii has got to be one of the favorites inside of this bracket. He's just a big, strong guy. And, you know, there's a lot of juniors and Yano inside of this bracket, could we be looking at Ishii as one of those dark horses to win New Japan Cup? You know, as you look at this thing, as we go back up here, and you talk about maybe if Maccabee could get defeated here. I mean, I think you could tell a story where you want to line up as many juniors against Ishii as possible, right? Because you're looking for that big payoff with that finally someone picking him off uh, as you get down to, I wouldn't necessarily, not the final four, but, you know, in that elite eight. Uh, that could be a potential story that we see developing throughout this thing. Or I could just as easy, you know, I had this marked down is if you're looking for a first round upset, keep your eye on this one. Yeah, they seem very, very high on El Desperado. I imagine that at some point this year, he will be facing off with whomever the IWGP junior heavyweight champion may be. Of course, last year he had that broken jaw, kept him on the shelf for quite a while. I'm expecting big things from Despy this season. That's this was one of my must watch for this first round for upsets. Uh, and I could see this thing just being one of those. If you blink, you might miss it. You might just come out and shock the world. Just hit him real quick. Hit him with a set of moves. Hit a finisher. Boom. This thing is over. And Ishii's just stunned. How many times do you suppose Desperado has to hit Ishii to equal one punch from Tomohiro Ishii to Desperado? <sighs> It could only take one. It's that magical term in sports. Yeah, absolutely. First singles meeting. Looking forward to that one. Speaking of a match I'm not looking forward to, our next matchup. Toru Yano making his 15th straight New Japan Cup appearance and Jado. Um, when I look at all the names that are not on this tournament because of the travel ban, this is one that probably would not be happening. I'm sure Yano would be in the tournament, but I, he surely wouldn't be taking on Jado. If you're looking for a very, very quick matchup in that first round, it's going to be this one. It's also, though, the first singles meeting between Toru Yano and Jado. That just seems insane to me as long as both of these guys have been around. I think this is probably for the, those traditionalists. This is something they're going to enjoy. It's going to be a fun match here in the first round. He said it's going to be short, sweet, uh, and moving on. And got to believe it's Yano, right? 
Well, is there any chance that the master heater like busts out the kendo stick and just like, you know, racks Yano behind Red Shoe's back and Giotto actually steals one? I could see it playing out that way. I mean, I almost feel like Giotto's just here because we need representatives from Bullet Club because half a Bullet Club can't get into the country. Got to have somebody there, right? Yeah, right. And your final matchup of the A region, Honma takes on IWGP junior heavyweight champion Hiromu Takahashi. Honma's eighth entry into the New Japan Cup, Hiromu's debut. He is the first IWGP junior heavyweight champion since 2005 to partake in the New Japan Cup. And that was Tiger Mask 4. Unfortunately, we heard some breaking news that Tiger Mask is not going to be on any of these shows. He's actually suffering from a bout of diverticulitis, which is, of course, what took Brock Lesnar out of the UFC all those years ago. So best wishes to Tiger Mask. Get well soon. First meeting between Honma and Hiromu. Rick, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I feel like Hiromu stands a very good chance of winning this entire block. You talk about that Ishii and finally a junior getting someone. I feel like that could be Hiromu that finally takes out Ishii. I love Homa, but uh, the matchup that everybody really wants to see and that we've all been waiting for since March is Hiromu versus Tetsuya Naito. That was scheduled for the anniversary show. I feel like Hiromu could easily not only win this block, but win this entire tournament. Yeah, as you sit here and we look at the potential stories that are playing out here, I'm really liking the in the Elite Eight, the finals for this region block, however we're going to do it here. I, I like Hiromo and Ishii in that thing. And then you have Hiromo, and you got all that excitement as you lay out there. You know, hey, we, we were supposed to have this. Now we're definitely going to get this thing here again uh, as we, once again, you're building up. And that's what they do there. It's multi-layered. It's long-term storytelling. Uh, it's obviously, you've incredibly had that built into this block here for you. I, I really hope that somehow, some way, we end up with Hiromu versus Yano because I have a feeling that that might be my favorite Yano match ever. That's just going to be absolutely ridiculous. I can totally picture those two going head to head. I also see Hiromu trying to hit a Kokushi, the diving headbutt on Tamaki Honma. I think it's, well, it's a, the possibility. You just got to survive. Each got to survive one go around yeah. uh, and, they, and they become dance partners. Hiromu and Ishii. Does that match up intrigue you? Is there any way that you can actually buy? Because I know that you're big on the whole size thing, right? Is there any way that you can actually buy Hiromu Takahashi taking Ishii out of this tournament? I think it is. You go back to that story here with Ishii. If it's if if is if he's continued to line up against the, you know the small. Just signs, just little signs of weakness where there's cracks. So someone that is actually studying this thing and game planning can formulate, put something together here to make this believable. Uh, you know, or with Ishii, I mean, you get that age too. You know, you get that little bit of that wear and tear as we were talking about there. I mean, I think that would be a tremendous story here. Who's going to get him here? And then boom, holy shit. What a, that's just a heavyweight. One of the baddest men walking the planet just got taken down by a junior. And Ishii's one of those guys. He was really hurting. Uh, he, he was having a lot of arm issues going into the whole coronavirus pandemic. He's one of the guys, and there's a few of them that we'll talk about throughout this tournament, that I, I'm really hoping the time off gave him a chance to heal up and we can see the Tomohiro Ishii that we saw once upon a time because well, it, he had know, definitely slowed down. It, you know, just recently we'd seen that where you, if you really play to and you remind everyone 
of those injuries, those those pivotal spots, uh, tackles, if you will. Uh, we just saw, you know, going to take over there with a great match with Gargano and Lee and, and just working that body, knowing that size difference. you got to break down that big man. And you can actually start telling that thing and have Ishii work two matches before we get to this thing before Hiromo is the one that ultimately can take him down. And I just think what a tremendous story to propel himself into that final four, looking for another big win and another big opportunity to secure another shot at the, you know, the top spot. So those are the matches going down on Tuesday. Let's talk about Wednesday and I cannot wait for Wednesday. Kazushka Okada gets his hands on that grubby little bastard Gato all over again. Okada's fourth entry. He was last year's winner. Of course, he would go on to Madison Square Garden to win the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship from then champion Switchblade Jay White. This is Gato's debut in the New Japan Cup, which seems crazy to me as long as he's been around. Okada 1-0. Not there for a singles match. I remember that match. I remember it fondly when Okada finally got his hands on his former manager. Rick, I can't wait for this. And I do feel like we're going to get some hope spots out of Gato because Okada is going to play with Gato a little bit. He doesn't just want to beat Gato. He wants to punish Gato. Well, it it is a different dynamic to kind of take into this is when you're Okada and you're talking about, Hey, it's just not going out there. This isn't just about a win. This is about uh, complete retribution going out there and absolutely insulting, taking it to Gato here. And let's not forget what might make Okada overconfident is Gato doesn't have his main back. Yeah. I, I feel like switchblade must've slept with somebody's wife and Gato is being punished for the sins of the father. Since Switchblade can't be in this tournament, Gato is going to get fed to Okada in the first round. I can't wait. I just I can't wait for this matchup. Yeah, I think with as you know, you'd mentioned there, Jargo, eleven first times that we have never seen before. Maybe that doesn't present that overwhelming excitement, you know, to many. Uh, but you're looking for that home run to sell early on. Why you need to tune into this tournament? It's absolutely this match here. Your next matchup, Yuji Nagata, Blue Justice, takes on Murder Grandpa, Minoru Suzuki. These two guys are 5-5. Five and five. Of course, they're old rivals. Nagata's 13th entry in the New Japan Cup, Suzuki's 6th. Of course, Suzuki's been around forever, but he didn't spend all of that time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But I, I can't help but feel like Suzuki is going to win this matchup, which means... We're going to get a rematch of Minoru Suzuki's 30th anniversary, Minoru Suzuki versus Kazuchika Okada in the second round. You know, we're talking about these first round, these key matchups, what you want to be focusing on. This match right here, uh, this is right up there for me. I mean, you're talking about two old dogs that are just going to bring the fight. What, what, 52, 51 years old, both, but I mean, between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we got over a century of just experience you know life experience going out there i mean these guys have been pro wrestling since they were born so that's why i put it out there like that uh this if you like two sobs uh that are go out there and just absolutely throw it down that's what you're going to get here uh, and i think that and i think whoever emerges victorious here this is going to be their only win of this tournament so they're going to want to go out here and make sure that they give you everything they've got I recently started subscribing to uh, Weekly Pro Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Weekly. I'm not exactly sure what the actual name of the magazine is because, you know, the Japanese talk backwards. Um, But 
in the last issue that I received, they have a full length interview with Antonio Inoki. And one of the pictures that they show in there, young lion Suzuki accompanying Antonio Inoki to the ring. It was just an incredible photo. Absolutely wow. awesome. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You going with Suzuki in this matchup? Uh, I, I, I'm not going to be surprised either way, but I, I'd probably say like 55-45. I'm leaning that way. Your next two matchups seem very, very cut and dry as we get into the other two young lions inside of the tournament. Uamura takes on Kanemaru, both of them making their debuts in the New Japan Cup. It will be their first singles meeting. Rick, I feel like Kanemaru is is one of those guys. He's Desperado's tag team partner. He's primarily used as, you know, in that junior tag division along with El Desperado. I think he could really surprise some people in this tournament, mostly because a lot of the New Japan audience, especially the Western audience, just hasn't seen him wrestle in singles matches. Well, I think that's going to be one of those keys there is, all right, who can we introduce, uh, just not locally, but globally? It's really going to be an eye catcher that people are, that you're going to want to get excited. You know, you're looking for that Cinderella, if you will, uh, that's going to have people coming back for more. And absolutely, I think you're right, Jar. I mean, it would be an idea situation for him. Your next matchup, Gabriel Kidd, one of the other gaijin inside of this tournament. He's from the UK, Young Lion, who knew that he was in Japan, is going to be taking on Taiji Ishimori. Um, both of them making their debuts. First singles matchup. This is clearly an Ishimori win. But as I look forward to that next round, Kanemaru and Ishimori, a lot of people may not know, these two guys are... Bitter rivals going back to pro wrestling Noah. I believe they've had like 11 singles matches against one another. I'm really looking forward to that. But that also means that we are going to have a junior heavyweight make the Elite Eight. Well, I think, I mean, it's going to be in their favor. Someone's got to get there. And I think we're going to have, I mean, we've got the potential of more than one. Yeah, there could be several. There very well could be. The problem that I have with multiple juniors making it that far in the tournament, though, doesn't that just shrink the divide between the heavyweight and the junior heavyweight? Well, I don't think necessarily because I mean we also have to take into consideration exactly how this thing is structured. Uh, because through elimination, it's not as if you know in down here in the in the lower half of this bracket, it's not as if they're knocking off heavyweights to to take those spots. Right. It's, you know, it's just the way that their path that, you know, you know, I, you know, when we talk sports, you know, I regularly tell you, you just have to worry about beating the people in front of you. So as we project, you know, throughout the tournament, we're looking at Okada versus Suzuki and then Ishimori versus Kanemaru. Uh, I, I don't like either Ishimori or Kanemaru going up against Suzuki or Okada. I feel like either Suzuki or Okada is coming out of this B region. Uh, absolutely, I, I'm leaning towards. And one of the you know biggest that jumped out to me on this thing is you're obviously going to go with Okada inside of this. And I think what makes more sense there is that he's going to go out there and just have an incredible match, you know, against a heavy, uh, a brawler, a technician, or one of these you know the high flying juniors. Uh, and I think you know it's just going to complement and just 
ultimately reconfirm, remind everyone as we get back in the swing of things just how damn good Okada is. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing Okada. I'm hoping it's versus Ishimori because I think that will just be a fantastic matchup. And plus, we get to see Okada work against a junior, which is something that we don't get to see very often. But whenever it does happen, the matches end up being very, very good because, of course, Kaki Okada just doesn't take a junior seriously. I mean, come on. Who cares about a junior, right? Let's throw it over to the C block. June 22nd is when this is going down. And, Reg, this is like murderer's row. You talk about the NCAA tournament. There's always that one region that you're just like, ooh, whoever comes out of that one, they're going to have to earn it. In your first matchup, Hiroshi Tanahashi takes on Tai Chi. Tanahashi's 11th entry in the tournament. Tai Chi's third. Uh, last year was his first one as an actual heavyweight. Tanahashi 1-0 versus Tai Chi in singles matches. Rick, I feel like Tanahashi has to be one of the favorites to win the New Japan Cup. Because as I look at this entire coronavirus pandemic and how it's been handled, I talked about it a little bit earlier, Tanahashi has been front and center for all of it. When they went to go meet with the government, Tanahashi was the guy who did all the talking to represent the seven major independent promotions in Japan. When we had the press conference with Suga Bayashi, Tanahashi was the only wrestler that was there to give a statement. Do you think that there's a chance that they just go with Tanahashi simply because he's Tanahashi to win this entire tournament? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that's what you do. When you're you're the face, you're the ace, you're going to step up in those circumstances. And, and I don't think that necessarily is going to parlay into, hey, we have to get a push here for him. Uh, but as we're breaking this thing down, as you said, the murderer's row, the, the bracket that everyone's going to be watching here, obviously up here in the C block. Uh, but to me, the bigger story is it's not just this match inside of itself, but to jump a little bit ahead of ourselves is this match right under it. Yeah. And I think that is where you get into if you really want something early on outside, you know, just the the fun of finally Okada getting his hands on Gato. Uh, this is your really early. This is the story to watch here in these first two rounds. These, this is what's going to get you excited. Get your these these two matches right here. This is what's going to keep you coming back for more. This is the exciting early storytelling inside of this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. And these two guys work incredibly well together. Ibushi leads the series four matches to two. Ibushi, of course, won the G1 last year. This will be his fourth entry in New Japan Cup. Zack Sabre Jr. won the New Japan Cup in 2018, and he loves stretching Kota Ibushi as much as he possibly can. As we project forward, I expect Tanahashi will beat Tai Chi, and then you're left with a very interesting matchup regardless of who wins because Zack Sabre Jr. has owned Hiroshi Tanahashi over the last couple of years. And Kota Ibushi, well, right now is Hiroshi Tanahashi's tag team partner, the Golden Aces, the current IWGP World Tag Team Champions. Rick, which matchup would you rather see? Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tana or Ibushi versus Tana? That's, that's what's so interesting about this. I mean, you could have... Uh, that that mod, you know, that mega powers sort of feel that vibe. The the partners having to go against one another here, and in maybe the most important New Japan Cup of all time is you know as we're getting things back, you're bringing familiarity back to society. Wrestling's back, baby. You want two of your absolute best, rock and gold, going against one another, or or 
that bastard Zack Sabre Jr. could go in here and take out both champs. Yeah. Yeah. Which you would have to assume would get him a, a tag team championship match, right? Absolutely. I mean, that would put him right into that, you know, the forefront. And then you could spin that off too, you know. All right, now who's deserving enough of teaming with him? Or, you know, is he running around just he's so cocky running around saying, hey, I'll take them both on. Well, hell, I mean, his regular tag team partner is Minoru Suzuki. So that's it, what I'd say. You know, the, the, the fun you could have with this thing. I mean, if, if you're going to give me the Golden Aces versus the Suzuki Goon team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki at Dominion, that seems like a pretty logical conclusion to me. And I, I'm certainly not opposed to seeing that. Well, and, you know, in how they, they build things and you interact, I mean, you could even to have Suzuki maybe start gunning for the ace. I'm down for that being a full-fledged feud. To me, that's almost the best route here. It, it would maybe potentially could be the most exciting. Uh, obviously, if you have the champs against each other, that's going to be fun in that moment. But for big picture booking, I think you have Zack Sabre Jr. run through these guys. Well, and, and let's not pretend like, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi have had the best relationship over the course of the years. So that this could refuel that rivalry as well. Taguchi takes on Sonata in the bottom half of the C bracket. Taguchi's third entry, Sonata's fourth entry. Of course, he was a finalist last year before falling to Kazuchika Okada. First singles meeting between Taguchi and Sonata, which is another one of those. Wow, really? Those two guys have never squared off before? I have to assume that Sonata goes over Taguchi, but when I look at Sonata and where he was in 2019, where he was in 2020, you know, there's a great picture flow around out there. Sonata's the only one not currently holding gold in Lawson Gobernables. This could be an early exit for Sonata. I could see an upset here from Taguchi. Yeah, I think really right now, and this goes back, you know, something that we have talked about for so long, that if the win ever for Sonata, you know, I think he certainly needs, as you're talking about that championship, you know, the picture where he stands with gold and all that, an early exit could mean for a very troublesome future here for who wants to continue to roll with him, his own confidence inside of himself. And it, and the longer he can pop, and then on the flip side of that, if he can make a run through this thing, again, we get into those conversations. Is this the time to pull the trigger with Sonata? Is he finally going to have that breakthrough moment? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because right now, as great as Sonata is, He's like, best case scenario, the third best member of his own faction. We're going to talk about Shingo here in a little bit. I think you can make the argument that Shingo even ranks over Sonata at this point. Oh, yeah, and there's Evil, who's also in the tournament. And you could kind of put Evil over Sonata right now. Sonata might be like the least interesting member of LIJ not named Bushi. Well, that's why I like Sonata to get out of this first round here and then go into that second round. That's really when you begin. That's where the interest builds up. Now, if he loses here, then in that second round, then he's really in trouble. So his potential opponents are either Sho from Rapungi 3K or his stablemate Shingo Takagi, both of them making their debut in the New Japan Cup. They have faced off once before, although it was inside of the junior heavyweight division. Shingo 1-0 against Sho. 
they have huge hopes for show. In fact, I think that this that 2020 could be a, very much a breakout year for him. I have a feeling Rapungi 3K may not make it all the way until Wrestle Kingdom next year in 2021. But I'm kind of feeling what you're saying there. I kind of want to see Shingo versus Sonata in the second round, kind of start planting those seeds for what's going to be Sonata's future in LIJ. Yeah, I think that's that's the bigger story. And as we kind of look at this this block, you know, in in total, I mean, you could have stable mates and you could have your tag team champs also, you know, bidding for that right to get to the final of this block. Do you feel like they have Shingo positioned at a point here where he could actually make a run to the Elite Eight, the Final Four? You know, this this one is such a tough call. I mean, it, there's so many different directions you could go into this thing. I, as, as, as we talk about it out loud here, uh, really what they want to do with Sonata, I, I don't know if it's just maybe, I don't know if it's my gut or my heart, but I feel it's from that, sa- that kind of that same area. Maybe this, that this, this end of the bracket here belongs to Sonata. As I look at this bracket, I can't help it. I'm selfish. I really want to see Shingo Takagi versus Kota Ibushi. I really want to see that match. I think Shingo is just absolutely outstanding. Hell, he was in my finals for wrestler of the year last year. Shingo had an incredible 2019, and I'd love to see him keep that momentum in 2020. I just don't know how New Japan necessarily feels about Shingo. Yeah, again, it's... Yeah, I'm just kind of looking at the, this long story, you know, long term storytelling. What's going to be of the most interest here? I mean, that, that's a hell of a point. And but, but you got to look at the big picture in these brackets. And I keep going back up to that top. I don't know if there's that much value and, and overall interest in Abushi to make that far of a run in the tournament. I know it's kind of crazy, isn't it? I mean, the guy goes and he wins the G1. He main events Wrestle Kingdom. And we could see a very, very early exit. Of course, we typically would see that from Tetsuya Naito. It's not uncommon for Naito to lose in the first round of the New Japan Cup. Like, if I'm not winning it, just get me the hell out of the damn tournament. Well, it's the uh, it's it's that Stevie Richards mindset, right? When he was in the Rumbles, <laughs> go ahead and drive me out so I can give my check and get the hell out of here. You bet you. Shout out to our friend Stevie Richards. Let's talk about the matchups on June 23rd. Tenzan takes on Yoshihashi. Tenzan's 10th entry in the New Japan Cup. Yoshihashi, his 7th entry. And these two guys have never faced off one-on-one, which just seems crazy. As long as these two guys have been around, you would have thought that, you know, they at least met in like a G1 or a previous New Japan Cup, something. But I think the problem is both of these guys tend to go out in the first round here lately. But I feel like maybe they're going to try to give Yoshihashi one more spin, give him a big win over Tenzan here. Yeah, I can see this actually going each way, but it... Yeah, I had it marked down here in my in my pick here, and I don't I didn't really want to put too much stock in this thing. I think these guys are going out there have a great match. I don't see any like a run of significance out of here, but I think Yoshiashi is probably probably your competitor that advances. Unfortunately, uh, in the next matchup, Yo takes on Bushi. Both of them making their debut inside of the New Japan Cup. Both juniors, they are one and one in singles matchups, and I I have no idea. I have no idea who's going to win this match, although I expect it'll be really, really good. This is one of those sleeper matches that people are just going to overlook, and then they're going to go out there and just blow the doors off the place. I think, you know, really, we were just talking about the murderer's row in the C block here. This is that one that, you know, that side of that bracket where you're like, oh, man, like, 
talk about a cakewalk for somebody through here, or, you know, or you're not expecting a, a whole lot. Uh, and I don't think there'll be a whole lot of storytelling coming out of this one. But as you said, Jargo, this is going to be a, a couple of these matches in here where they're so evenly matched, you know, paper wise, they're going to be tremendous dance partners that it's just going to be some tremendous entering action. I and mean, especially if you do like that quick pace or hell, I mean, there's such, there's different styles in here, but they're going to be able to mesh well together. And while they're one and one against each other in singles matchups, these two guys know each other very, very well from that junior heavyweight tag team division. So I, I'm expecting really good stuff out of Yo and Bushi. I, I really wouldn't be surprised. I, I kind of had a, in my early notes here about Bushi, you know, getting to the finals here in the D block. Yeah, I could see it. I could absolutely see it. Yeah, especially as I look at the way that this thing lays out, it makes absolute sense to me. Uh, the leader of the Bread Club, Kojima, takes on Evil. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Kojima's seventh entry, Evil's fourth entry. They faced off once in a singles match. Evil won that matchup. Uh, I expect Evil is going to win this matchup as well because Kojima is nowhere near his prime when he won the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship years ago. But I think this is going to be one of those physical, hard-hitting matchups that you're just going to absolutely love. Uh, yeah, I, I had this marked down, you know, one of those must-sees. And I actually like I like Kojima winning this thing in a bit of a, a shocker early on. Because I, uh, I think, you know, I kind of, I think whichever one really takes this win, it's this is going to be... Uh, you know, as we were looking over at uh, Suzuki and his match and all that, you know, whoever's going to get that one's going to be their, their, their only big win inside of this thing here. Uh, so, yeah, I think they, they will give the old horse that moment. And evil does not necessarily need this win, especially because whoever wins this matchup, I expect is going to lose in the next round. So I could easily see them going with Kojima because Kojima is one of those guys kind of like Makabe that we talked about at the beginning. He's just huge. He's a mainstream star in Japan. And let's face it, they're running all these shows with no fans. They're going to need star power for people to want to watch these shows. Uh, absolutely. And you know, I think it's, and if they can build up in, in a sense here, one of these big wins for someone like Kojima, and you don't have to go crazy and make a, a huge run through this thing, but just that one win is going to light that fire under him as fans do begin the return. And it's going to give them a reason to get excited about the, you know, the glory days and, and getting back to the way things were. And your final matchup of the first round, Rick, we talk about all these first round matchups that first time that these guys have ever faced off. That is not the case in this matchup. It's going to be Hiroki Goto taking on Yujiro Takahashi, representing the Bullet Club. Goto's 12th entry in the tournament, Yujiro's 10th entry in the tournament, and Rick, get this. Hiroki Goto is 14-1 and against Yujiro Takahashi. 14-1. and They've had 15 singles matches over the course of the years, which just seems crazy. But, you know, we like that they like to uh, pad Goto's stats, especially inside of these tournaments. And I, I have a feeling Goto's going to end up 15-1. and And the best thing about this matchup, hopefully we get to see Peter. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's the best part about anything on a new Japan event in it. <laughs> well, especially when it comes to Yujiro matches. Uh, but yes, uh, this, this is going to be, um, big win. Number uh, 15, one, five, uh, as Goto goes on is I was you know, talking earlier about that one part of the bracket where it's like, okay, 
what did the committee do? I mean, it, who's grease and who's palm here? Uh, obviously, it's Goto, you know, to walk his way through this thing to the final four. Yeah, as you look at this block, Tenzan and Yoshihashi, Yo and Bushi, Kojima and Evil, Goto and Yujiro. This is clearly the Goto bracket. Clearly. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it even adds a little bit more. You have Goto go through to the second round here. This adds a little bit more to why I absolutely love the Kojima pick in the match above him. You, you kind of got Kojima showing him a little bit of respect probably when he puts him down, trying to get, you know, that further rub to keep hammering at home. Gotta love Goto. I mean, the legends love him. Look, you know, look what he's done here. He's so respectful in his win. Uh, I, I like him in the finals of this, of this part of the bracket against Bushi. Uh, but yeah, I do have Goto emerging into the final four. So June twenty fourth will be the A and B second round on July first. The C and D second round. The Elite Eight on my birthday, July second. The Final Four on your birthday, July third, and then the finals a week later on July eleventh. And Rick, I'm looking forward to that because it's going to be in Osaka Joe Hall, and they're going to have a third of a live audience inside of Osaka Joe Hall. So we will have an audience reacting to everything. So, Rick, at this point, give me your final four. Well, I like here as we go back up or look around and we've laid out, and I think, you know, even inside of the weaker part of the bracket, we go down to the D block there, we've been able to come up with a handful of stories uh, that we can watch play out through this thing. And that is what makes New Japan so special is, I mean, as we say, it's multi-layered, it's long-term storytelling, and it, and it reaches its peak not through theatrics, but the in-ring work. Uh, it's absolutely what we're going to have here. I, I do like what we came up here with Hiromu uh, emerging from the A block, eliminating Ishii to get to that first Final Four spot. Uh, as we move down to the B block, uh, again, y- you've got to go with the Rainmaker, one of the best in the world, Okada, especially uh, you're looking for that hype, bringing back that that somewhat of an audience to get them excited. Um Going to skip ahead again because we already laid it out there. I, I think in that D block, you get Goto. What's really going to be interesting to me is who emerges from that C block area there. Man, it is so tough to call. I'm actually going to go with Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. It's a nice pick. I'm going to go with Hiroshi Tanahashi. I think they're going to push Tanahashi to that final four. Who do you have in the finals? You know, and now that we is you know talking about it, and we look at scenarios, what's going to be happening, and that we are going to have an audience back. Uh, you almost got to kind of feel though for that moment. I almost want to change that pick because Axiom Junior and go with you and go with the ace against the Rainmaker. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, what screams more of a moment? The comeback, an opportunity to not just go challenge for the world's championship, but also the intercontinental championship to really reestablish, you know, we're back, baby. Uh, I think, I think we got to kind of take that step back and look, you know, take that in consideration. I was going to, you know, go with that. You know, a lot inside of me, I I thought maybe Sonata there, Zach Sabre Jr., that story of him running through this thing and what he could do with this thing, you know, with that attitude, the doors that that could open. Uh, but when I look at that bigger picture, what this means on a 
wide scale. I mean, I almost got to switch that and go with you with the ace and go with Okada and the ace in the finals. I'm going with the ace in the finals, but I think it's going to be Hiromu Takahashi. And Hiromu is going to be my pick to win this thing. Uh, going back to the anniversary, everybody was so excited to see Hiromu versus Tetsuya Naito. I think this is how you get to that matchup, except now it's going to be a little bit different because both belts are going to be on the line in front of a third filled Osaka Joe Hall, Hiromu Takahashi versus Tetsuya Naito, the teacher versus student, heavyweight versus junior. That's what I, I, I really, want. yeah, I, I see it there in, but to me, on that bigger picture, still going with Rainmaker and the ace, I think that with. With Hiromu getting almost that close again, that that leaves you really that potential for is you know to keep going forward and make that a truly bigger moment, and you save that for when you do have almost that full capacity coming back. This is that's one of those long term builds that you get here that really would set the place off when you have a, a huge arena and you know even beyond that maybe you got people reinvested, you know, eased back into the pool. You know, for New Japan. A couple of the other sexy picks for this matchup, because Dominion is going to be just 24 hours later on July 12th in Osaka Joe. I mean, I'm looking at guys like Kota Ibushi, who has a built-in story with Tetsuya Naito. Clearly, they try to kill each other every time they're in the ring together. I'm looking at a guy like Kazuchika Okada, who is the biggest star, and who Tetsuya Naito defeated at Wrestle Kingdom to win both belts. Somebody with the history, like a Hiroshi Tanahashi. Zack Sabre Jr. is definitely one of those dark horse picks. We've seen what Zack Sabre Jr. can do to Tetsuya Naito, and I would love to see Naito finally put him down. Is there any chance that you feel Tetsuya Naito loses at Dominion on July 12th? Well, I mean, never say never, right, in, in professional wrestling, but uh, I, I just don't I just don't think it would be the right move, uh, especially with everything that's gone on here. Now, you know what? They, they, they could very easily in new japan fashion you've had this tremendous story that led into wrestle kingdom finally his moment you know and not just for the intercontinental that that had just irritated him to no end but to grab the iwgp heavyweight championship of the world and then all of this happens society not just you know in japan but around the world shuts down and it almost you know you get to a point where if he would lose in this opportunity here it's almost a forgotten and wasted championship reign. So all for not, you know. I mean, it would almost feel like a Vince Russo thing, right? Where 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 you're just like resetting all the championships to go forward, where we're just gonna wipe the slate entirely clean, put the titles on somebody like an Okada, a Tanahashi, put it on the biggest star inside of the company. But I don't think they're gonna do that. I think Naito goes over whoever ends up winning the New Japan Cup. Absolutely. It, it, I'm glad that you kind of mentioned that because, you know, before we, we kind of shut down shop here, uh, there was a few things I wanted to talk to you about that is, is really we had mentioned what this means for New Japan going forward. And this essentially is not like a, a, a hard reset, uh, but, you know, a lot of things in preparation for this. I had to go back and really study a little bit because, like, man, it seems like it's been so long. And I wonder how many other individuals feel that way. And now you've got this whole new crop of fans that have completely been turned off to the WWE during the empty arena 
the run uh, that are hungry for something like that, that are going to turn to an alternative where New Japan is going to be there to feed that need, that desire. How do they go forward, you know, in, in presenting themselves? And hell, at this point, we absolutely we don't know where we're going to get the likes of a Jay White or uh, even a Kenta that's allowed to return. You know, and any of those, you know, the outsiders. Yeah, it's, it's all because of the travel bans, and we don't know when those are going to be lifted. Right. I mean, so it's going to be very interesting in, inside, you know, just away from the wrestling aspect into the creative and actually the business operations to see how New Japan is going to kind of blueprint their path going forward. Yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I was also really, really looking forward to recording this podcast. Rick, like you said, we, we haven't sat down and talked wrestling in what feels like freaking months at this point. I mean, hell, it's been 110 days since New Japan last ran a show. Of course, we did shows all the way up through WrestleMania. Uh, thank you for joining me, man. This has been a lot of fun, kind of a, a trip down memory lane. Hopefully people enjoyed hearing the two of us back together. Is there anything that you want to plug before uh, I, I let you get out of here? Well, I know it was an absolute pleasure to be back on with you, Jargo, and I know how excited you've been looking forward to and all the hard work, uh, the prep, the dedication that you've, you you put in before even hitting record here today and getting ready for this first episode. So, you know, congratulations to you moving forward, uh, a tremendous passion project, project and the sky's the limit. I, I know this thing's going to be one of the biggest hits that we have on the Hameen Media Group platform, uh, and it's so unique inside of itself, and, and you're feeding you're feeding that need for that lost fan right now. And, and and talking with you last night about the game plan of what you got going on here. I know you've reached out to just some tremendous individuals that are going to bring in just a beyond incredible insight and perspective into the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I know it's going to be a weekly staple for me. Uh, a must listen whenever you guys hit the air. Uh, but again, honored that I was able to be a part of, of the first one. Looking forward to when I'm given the opportunity to come back here again, uh, revisit and see everything that's going on inside of the world of New Japan. Uh, but for myself, yes, right here on the Hami Media Group platform, each and every Monday, we get your pro wrestling week going. It is myself, Richard Bronson Vickery, along with uh, some of you people might have heard of these guys. They, they kind of know a thing or two about professional wrestling. Ben Hamid and the doctor, Ted McNailer. Uh, just some tremendous insight each and every week. And I, I love the formula that the show, the, the spin that we have kind of taken. Uh, they've kind of given me an open forum where I can ask them questions to pick their brains. You know, it, it, we're truly around just kind of talking shop, sitting in the locker room. Uh, and of course, we get into a little bit of the news bits and all of that things going on. But uh, a great opportunity to just sit under the learning tree of two of the brightest minds inside of professional wrestling. Uh, social media, you keep up with me across all, uh, all the platforms and out there. I'm expanding now. I'm making it a point and it's, I got to do, I, I got to have four tweets a day, four posts on Instagram, four on Facebook at the real RBV. I'm awful about Instagram. I'm just awful. I just, I don't like the platform for one reason or another. I just cannot get into Instagram. It, it's, it's one of those things that it's, uh, is, but as you know, and, and hopefully you know, the listeners that have followed me, but anybody new out there, um, in this transition that we've made from our different projects, I, I've gone back to school. And one of the things that in our branding and marketing strategies and all that is to force yourself to get active on all those different platforms, because I mean, you're just missing that reach, but yeah, Instagram is, is a big one for me. I, I just always kind of forget that it's there. Yeah. Right. And, and, and learning how to, to get through it. The only one, 
and I say this and I'll probably be doing it by August, but God, I, I hope not. Cause I think it's like one of the most embarrassing things outside of, of Tiger King that has happened to white people. And that is TikTok. Oh God, no, don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> TikTok's going to go the way of Snapchat sooner than you know. Sooner than you know. Uh, you mentioned the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Let's throw it over to a word from Ben Hameen and our friends at the War on Words. Hear my words, infidels. I've greenlit my latest cell, and it's the War on Morons podcast. That's right, the world's full of morons, but I've sent Jay and Anissa to declare war on them. From the stupid criminals to those Florida man stories you love, and the other idiots of Hollywood and D.C., these new Hamid soldiers speak the truth to stupidity in a fun and comical manner. Each week, these two will be bringing on friends and all these crazy characters to give you the punk rock comedy news show you didn't even know that you needed. But you have it now that you're under quarantine. You will listen, infidels. And that's right, there's a bit of uncertainty every week from the live hotline, so you never know who's going to call into the show. <laughs> so plant your flag in the sand, grab your friends and suit up, because the War on Morons has commenced, infidels. Visit them now and subscribe at thewaronmorons.podbean.com. YOLO! <laughs> That'll put a wrap on the debut episode of Destino. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoy creating it. Uh, if you're listening to us on Hami Media, hackerhami.podbean.com, thank you very much for your support. You can also find Destino across all major podcast platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, destinopod.podbean.com. We're probably going to have a .com up and running here within the next couple of days. Thank you very, very much for listening. Um, I, I hope that you enjoy the New Japan Cup. I will be back with the second episode of Destino after the first round has come to its conclusion with a very, very special co-host. I look forward to that. Um, not a whole lot else to say. Find us across all social media platforms at DestinoPod. Follow me at NotJargo. We will talk to you next time right back here on Destino and New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast.